1: Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we're speaking about a topic that is getting a lot, a, a lot of interest throughout the public health community. It's drawing the attention of people in the media. People especially who are involved with the internet and things electronic are very excited about the topic. It is the topic of telehealth and information being disseminated through E-health Network. So it's not just the telephone anymore, but it's actually looking at electronic health information. We're going to tell you about some resources that you can take advantage of in a minute, but first I want to introduce you to our expert on today's show. Her name is Linda Royer. Dr. Royer, it's great to have you with us on the show.
2: Thank you. I'm certainly glad to be here.
1: Now, one of the questions that my listeners always ask, if I don't really help them Get acquainted with my guests. They said, we had a doctor on, but what kind of a doctor were they? I'm looking at your letters after your name, and I see PhD, RN, M.P.H. Break those letters down for us.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, of course, I became a nurse. I'm, I'm a career nurse. And uh, then I attended the MPH program, which is the Master in Public Health from Loma Linda. That's when they first started with their distance learning program from the School of Public Health. And then uh, in order to continue to teach, because at that point in my life I was teaching nursing, and in order to teach I had to have not just an MPH, that wasn't necessary for teaching nursing, I needed to get a master's in nursing. Mm -hmm. So I do have that, too, although I didn't mention that to you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then most recently, I decided that I would get a doctorate in nursing, and it's all pretty much focused on health promotion and community health.
1: Well, this is exciting because I know my listeners, whether they're in Indian country or beyond, they tell me as I'm out on the road, I'm talking with people. One of the things that I hear that's positive about the show is they like the emphasis on practical, preventive medicine insights. And that's what you've been spending really your career doing, right, as a master's in public health level professional and now as an individual who's got her doctorate in nursing. You've been looking at ways to improve the health of communities, right?
2: I certainly have, yes.
1: You know, it's interesting to me, Linda, just for the benefit of folks tuning in who maybe haven't worked in an academic environment when it comes to health. A lot of people think, well, a nurse, They, in the old days, maybe they would think they were, might be a school nurse. They might work with a doctor somewhere. But the, the scope of nursing is just so huge today. Can you help us sense that a little bit and then tell us a little bit about uh, your career path?
2: Oh, surely. The, what we're calling the emerging or the evolving roles of nurses mm-hmm. is really fascinating. It's only been within, in the last dozen years or so, Uh, that nurses are finding new ways to provide care to individuals. It isn't just at the bedside anymore, although that certainly continues to be very important and it becomes more highly technical than ever, but there are other ways that we can help individuals outside the hospital setting. So you'll have nurse navigators who are helping from perhaps the doctor's office or from the hospital helping individuals in certain specialties, even in uh, new mothers, hmm. to, to navigate through the health system, which becomes more complex for people anyway. Uh, or may, it may be someone who is helping someone with cancer navigate through the treatment levels and surgery perhaps and recovery and all those kinds of different aspects of cancer care. But there are so many other interesting roles as well, and, you know, actually, I'm beginning to do a study on that. It's just I'm collecting job descriptions here and there. (laughs) It's been really interesting to be able to learn what nurses are finding out they can do. And they're also becoming very important at the table with other physicians and other community leaders who are interested in health. Uh, So, you know, I could go on and talk about that for quite a while, but anyway, that's just kind of an inkling of what's happening so that... When I talk with individuals who are coming into nursing or nursing students, even who have been working for a while, sometimes nurses will work for a few years in a certain area of a hospital setting perhaps or even work in the community and become a little bit, oh, a little discouraged or, you know, I I need a change, I need something else I I would rather do. So I like to be able to share with them some ideas of, what there is out there, they can do still without leaving the profession because we sure want to keep them in nursing as long as they will work with us.
1: No, I mean, that is a great message. I think it's exciting for those who may be tuning in today, who may be at a point uh, in their life where they're looking at a career. We have many uh, young folks listen, but at, uh, nursing for years has been a great second career for people. I know many folks uh, that I've met over the years. In fact, I used to teach in a community college setting and I saw many people entering or re-entering the workforce. Maybe they've had a family. Maybe they went down a career route that they felt uh, really wasn't a good fit for them, or they actually couldn't find a job in that area. Maybe it was a saturated area, and they're saying, hey, I'm back here at the community college doing my prerequisites to get a nursing degree. Is that common? Are there a lot of non-traditional students that you found as a nursing instructor at the uh, nursing school level?
2: Yes, that is pretty common. Uh, it's surprising. You'll see people coming into nursing at different age uh, levels. Uh, they might be fresh out of high school, coming through, you know, with the basic courses, getting into nursing after that. Or, like you say, they may be, it may be second career for them. Uh, those who have served perhaps a certain few years in the military, will uh, some of those individuals will come into the profession decide to get the uh, RN and get the BSN degree and maybe even go further. Uh, but we also have people entering into nursing who are in their 50s and their 60s, believe it or not.
1: Well, this is a tremendous uh, encouragement because I know a lot of folks may be looking at options, and especially in Indian country, it seems wherever I go, there is just such a uh, a demand and an interest in having First Nations folks, maybe from their own tribe or maybe from a, another tribe, but actually working in a tribal health center, working with tribal health programs. And I know I'm seeing many more Native Americans actually pursuing healthcare careers, and it's just an exciting development. But let's come back to Dr. Linda Royer. We got this background now, all the variety of things that nurses can do. And you've been doing something that I would say, at least as far as most people's assessment of the nursing profession is not really typical. We as, I'm speaking of lay people, I'm putting myself in the, in the position of someone who doesn't work in the healthcare community. I think we as a population don't think necessarily of nurses as community educators first and foremost. Tell us a little bit how that happened in your own career path.
2: Okay. Well, uh, typically, as most nurses do, I started out in my career in the hospital and working in the hospital. But I, I was only in the hospital maybe a year, year and a half, and I got the inkling to go out in the community. I want to test out community health, public health. So I went out to public health a couple times uh, and then went back into the hospital setting so that I could keep up with those skills. And, you know, then go back out and do community work. I went out and did, I said go out, you know, it's just kind of a metaphoric term, but uh, went out into the community to do home health. I've worked in various areas uh, in different states in home health care. And so I've always kept my fingers on the, (laughs) and tuned in, you know, I've always been tuned in to what's going on in public health, in the community, and even what's happening at the state and federal level as far as regulations are concerned and health care changes for people and particularly what the needs are uh, throughout communities for learning more about how to take care of themselves and how to prevent disease. Uh, A few years back, I was involved in a local community effort for a major community assessment of the city and the surrounding areas. And then from that, developing a healthy community, hmm. uh, which it now has become and has certainly achieved that that uh, status, um, so that various areas in the community would meet together in a council meeting on a monthly basis and talk about what the needs were and how those needs could be met and how people could work together toward that. So that's always been an interest, but now we're at a time where individuals are living in various areas where it may be difficult for that kind of an experience, might be in a rural area, Mm -hmm. uh, or they might just be isolated at home and not have the means of getting around and finding out what's going on and how to take care of themselves in the most appropriate way to prevent disease and, and other conditions. So we have the Internet now, so i decided that that's the way that I could be able to make inroads into what the community needs or what certain populations in the community need in preventing illness, and therefore I have a website.
1: (laughs) We want to talk about the website because what you've been doing, like you've built up here as far as your own career, you've been teaching people, reaching out, doing things one-on-one with groups, shoulder-to-shoulder working with people in communities, but now you're taking that to the next level, which really is the theme of our show, and that's this whole explosion of electronic health information, especially being fed by the, uh, the content providers on the Internet, of which you are one now. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, Linda.
2: Okay. Well, I started out, first of all, with a tobacco program, which I call Taking Control. Um, and that got me thinking about other things, uh, got me thinking about the individuals who smoke who in many cases develop and experience chronic disease because of using tobacco in many cases. And so my horizon widened into let's put something out there that people can understand about general health concern, how they can actually improve their health by the way they live from day to day. And that has to do with the very basic things of exercise and eating, uh, socializing, uh, and organizing themselves at home. And of particular interest has been uh, the aging or those close to the aging populations.
3: Hmm. So
2: uh, the individuals who are what we call midlife individuals, many of those individuals now are called at-risk populations because of the burdens that they have in caregiving. This is a new aspect here in our society. Individuals are living longer on one end of the spectrum, and then if there are the children that they're trying to raise at the, at the left end of the spectrum. Uh, and so the, some individuals at risk are caring for two different populations of people, young children and elders,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they may also be holding down a job. And so they need some special attention because they are neglecting their health in some cases. So that's what got me to thinking about creating a website so that I can provide a tool for them to work with. And it uh, fits right in with the Internet usage right now, with Internet functioning, and the a growing field of what we call e-health.
1: No, I mean, this is a great, uh, great opportunity for us to really – tap into some of these resources. So I caught the transition, and you and I have relatively recently been speaking about your website, and that's what led us to uh, invite you to do the show, Dr. Royer, just for the background of my listeners. But I think it's exciting because folks in Indian country, for years, I'm speaking especially of health professionals, there's been this tension between what is often called in Native circles, sacred tobacco, ceremonial tobacco use, and the addictive uh, commercial tobacco that has been such a scourge, not just in Indian country but, but far beyond. And that really was what launched your website offerings, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is. It certainly is.
1: Well, we want to talk about some specific resources that Dr. Royer has. We're going to be exploring those on today's show. And I know we've spoken a lot about different insights, kind of a background of who Dr. Royer is and what she's up to. But we're going to transition in our next segment to actually talking about practical things that – you can do some of those things that you can access free of charge on Dr. Royer's website. We'll be giving you that website when we come back, telling you about some of the great resources that are available there. And then we'll be sharing stories, things that can make a difference in your life, people whose lives have been changed by applying the principles that Dr. Royer is featuring on her website. So stay tuned for more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We'll be back with more right after this.
0: Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE.
1: 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Linda Royer. Dr. Royer has her doctorate in nursing. She's got a wealth of experience, if you've been with us from the top of the hour, when it comes to community health, impacting communities, and training the next generation of nurses as a professor in nursing schools over the years. Dr. Royer, we promised some stories. I'm going to start out with one, if you allow me to do that. Oh, sure. I think, in fact, we may have mentioned this as we were preparing for the show off air a while ago, Uh, I think I've told it on the show probably a couple times, and it just, I've said it frequently because it just floored me, and it happened not all that long ago. A patient in my office told me that I had changed their life, and when I said, well, what had I done, what had I communicated that had changed your life, she said, Dr. DeRose, you told me about self care. And I was sitting there a bit perplexed, but what this woman was saying, who was a woman of experience, she was uh, an elder, she was telling me that she had really never internalized the concept that she could take care of her own health, that she wasn't just dependent on doctors and nurses and other health professionals. And I was just shocked by that. Now, I lead in with that story because I really want to know what your feedback is on that. Is this all that uncommon? Do people need to hear a message about self-care, or was this just an unusual example?
2: Oh, I think you're right. This is a time when there are a lot of concerns, Uh, the rising cost of health care. Sometimes they're saying that we have an inadequate supply of health care providers. You go to an emergency room and the emergency room is so crowded, you wonder if you'll ever get seen. Mm. And so if we can do something upstream, as they say, if we can take care of ourselves and look after our health from a day- to- day basis and manage ourselves, even if we have conditions of certain diseases or if we have we catch the flu or or we you know sprain a wrist or something like this, but to be able to manage ourselves at home, is it's just the ideal, and this is what we're, we're trying to teach people to do right now. So it's called self-management or self-care. That's true.
1: Well, so let's talk about what you've got now for free, available to anyone listening to the show, or not even listening to the show. Anybody can go to your website. Tell us what that website is, and especially about the resources that are there. If someone right now finds themselves dealing with addictive commercial tobacco, maybe they've got congestive heart failure. And the doctor said they need to stop smoking. Maybe they have chronic obstructive lung disease. Perhaps they've been told they have emphysema or chronic bronchitis. The doctor said, you have got to stop smoking. And the Tribal Health Center is three hours away. They're living on a big reservation. It's a long, long way to get to the, the clinic for them. Help us. What's there on the website?
2: Oh, I'd be glad to tell you. Well, the website is called Living Smart, and the subtitle for it is Your Pathway to Better Health through what we were just talking about, self-management. The idea here is that if we can provide enough ideas, tips, instructions, illustrations, stories on the website to help individuals manage themselves, manage their health, know how to make decisions about their health, then they're going to be much happier. They're going to have a better quality of life. And I like to focus the website on uh, the adult population. You know, there are a lot of websites on the Internet for the young, uh, a lot of illustrations for the young, uh, the gym crowd and so forth. And there isn't that much for people who are 45 or more, Mm. (laughs) 45 or older. And even those that, uh, the, the commercials that you see on TV that are directed toward any audience, are mostly illustrated by or acted out by individuals who are quite young. So I wanted to have a website that makes it more realistic for individuals 45 and above.
1: I think this is so great, Linda. And so folks who are tuning in today, you may be a tribal elder, you may be a health professional looking for resources for those in your sphere of influence who may have a few more years of experience behind them, Living smart, and have I got the website right? It's livingsmart.live or dot live l i v e. That's right. Now I'm not really familiar with that ending. We hear a lot of .dot coms and .dot gov and .dot org, but what is the .dot? Is is it pronounced .dot live or .dot live?
2: I uh, whatever you want to do, whichever way you want to pronounce it, I guess. <laughs> okay. Actually, it looks like a new extension. Uh, I haven't seen this until just a few months ago.
3: Okay. Um,
2: for but I like to call it live. I imagine some people are thinking of it as live. They might stream from it, you know. But this is this is uh, to me. It's living smart live, like live.
1: <laughs> okay. So all I've got to do is go to livingsmart.live, and when I go there, I, I I was just doing this. My wife and I were actually before we started recording the show today. We said, well, let's check out the website, see what's there. And we went to the taking control section, which is your uh, addictive tobacco recovery program, right?
2: That's right. Right.
1: And one of the things that captured us is we were looking at some of the options. We clicked on a video, and what was being displayed was actually the results of smoking cigarettes. All the tar and and stuff that's in tobacco, you had a a nice... uh, Model that was actually showing just what a cigarette will put out, and it was quite uh, quite startling.
2: It is, isn't it? And you know, I got that. Uh, I I copied that from the internet. That's a link from the uh, from the internet directly. I think it's a YouTube video, uh, and it is uh, stark <laughs> because it does show uh, the collection of cigarettes that an individual would would actually smoke over a period of time. Uh, and the results that could happen in your lungs from the uh, the output and the smoke of the cigarette and all of the other materials that are in the smoke. So, yeah, it is quite convincing, I think. <laughs> you have to do something like that to get someone's attention who has used tobacco for most of their lives. Uh, and I live in an area right now in Virginia where there are a lot of smoking people. You know, Virginia used to has been a tobacco-growing state, still is. Uh, and even though there have been strides, just big efforts around the state um, to eradicate or to really re- reduce smoking, there are still a lot of people who are smoking, and no matter where you go, Walmart or wherever you happen to go, you're going to pass somebody who uh, just reeks of cigarettes. So, um... And I know these people would be much happier if they could get rid of those cigarettes, but it's difficult for people. So sometimes you kind of have to hit them between the eyes a little bit, make them just think about, whoa, what do my lungs really look like? You know, what am Mm -hmm. I doing to my body? And -hmm. there must be a way out of this. And that's what I'm trying to provide here is a way out.
1: Well, we, we so appreciate you not only developing the resource there, but making it available free of charge. And uh, for those of you that are saying, I need some more motivation to quit, I'm thinking about quitting, Uh, again, we're talking about those of you that are saying, hey, this is out of hand, I really need help, livingsmart.live, and then go to the taking control option there on the website.
2: You probably would like to know a little bit about what the program, is, how the program is designed. Definitely. Yeah, it's a two-week program. It's a coaching program with videos to watch every day for 14 days. There is a workbook that you can work with that reinforces what you're learning in, from the video and tells you the whole program from day to day tells you how to reorganize your life away from the cigarettes, away from the tobacco cigarettes, to even vapor delivery systems because that's addictive anyway, mm-hmm. uh, any of those individuals could be uh, involved in the cessation effort. So there are several different materials, things that can be used to help you. The first three days in the program are spent in just getting ready to quit, so you don't have to start day one Okay. because you have to work on your mindset a little bit, and you have to create a better environment around you and get rid of the things that remind you that you, that you might want to smoke. Uh, to remove the cues and so forth. So uh, there are three days in preparation, and then you strike out without tobacco. And every day, there's strong encouragement and instructions about better ways to eat while you're doing this and how you might exercise, what you might set your mind on as far as moving forward, thinking differently.
1: These are just great options, Linda. And I'm excited because many times people say, I know what I want to do. I've set a goal, but I don't really know where to go. But at the same time, you've said you're making these resources especially available to those who may have uh, maybe some more years behind them. Maybe uh, they might be a little less comfortable even with accessing things on the Internet. Is this website difficult to navigate? Would it be hard for someone to figure it out?
2: No, I don't believe it is. Uh, There are a lot of links around on the website to the different materials. There are materials that can be downloaded. For instance, the workbook, what we call the Taking Control Guide, and there's also a guide for the individual that you might be living with who is not hopefully a smoker, hopefully Mm -hmm. is not a smoker, who Mm -hmm. could help you be a partner. There's a nutrition guide and uh, so forth.
1: Linda this sounds really practical and really easy to access. We're going to talk more about Dr. Linda Royer and her e-health resources, things that you can take advantage of. More stories as well as we come back to our second half of American Indian Living, we'll be right back after this.
0: American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800 775 HOPE. That's 1 775 4673. So, you want to be a hero?
4: Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders
5: and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE,
1: 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living and to our second half of a show featuring e-health, looking at electronic resources that can make a difference as far as your health. We're especially talking right now, about helping individuals who have a problem with addictive tobacco use. Before we go back uh, to you, Dr. Royer, as we were speaking off air, I thought of a couple of patients that I saw very recently in my office. Both of them were not telling me about an addictive habit with tobacco, but about one with alcohol. What I found interesting about both of these individuals is they were stressing how important it was to have an ongoing relationship with Alcoholics Anonymous. Both of them had been helped by AA, and they were still actively involved in helping others stay free of the alcohol that actually had captured them and had drugged down their lives some years ago. Now they're alcohol-free. They're, if you will, evangelists. They're sharing the good news of how you can be free from alcohol, and they're trying to help other people do it. Those stories lead me to a question for you. How important is this dynamic of sharing your experience? If you've had a challenge with an addiction, whether it's addictive tobacco use, whether it's alcohol, whether it's hard drugs, is this an important component for many people of staying clean and sober, if you will?
2: Oh, it certainly is. It can be very effective in helping others. To quit, and uh, it reminds me of an incident that, uh, actually, it's more than an incident; it's kind of part of my life, our family's life, and that is a few years back, some years back, when I first was developing taking control. We had a tobacco cessation course of several nights where we met with individuals to help them quit, and the one individual that came to those sessions was a man, a young single man who had a very, very strong tobacco habit, but he was successful in quitting. And he was so happy about it. He, that he continued to work with other people, with the people he met at work or met even out on the street. He would encourage them to quit. And mm-hmm. you know that all down through the years, and it's been several years now, he has carried the Sation instruction booklets, little booklets with him in his pocket, and anytime he meets somebody on the street or in a group somewhere who's smoking, he will encourage them to quit and, and give them a little booklet, which gives them some instructions on how to start to quit. Wow. And it has continued like that, and even teaching courses on it. So he's become a real evangelist for helping other people to develop a better lifestyle, that's for sure.
1: So, Linda, you have that same burden and you've put together these resources that help this young man, and he's become a, a real advocate of helping other people have this challenge. You call it Taking Control. We've been talking about it on the show. It's accessible on your website, and those who've been with us from the beginning of the show have heard it more than once. But if some are just joining us now, how do they find these free tobacco cessation materials?
2: All right. Well, they're on livingsmart.live, L-I-V-E.
1: Okay. That is very easy, livingsmart.live.
2: Yes. And on the menu at the top, the link there is Tobacco Addiction Recovery. You click on that, and the program is all there on the website with downloadable materials for guidance, even on nutrition. Because you're going to eat better. Food's going to taste better when you quit smoking. And Mm -hmm. it's good to learn how you can improve your diet and help to uh, improve your health through your diet as you quit smoking.
1: This is such a huge factor, Linda. I know as I've helped people to stop addictive tobacco use over the years, many have expressed worries about weight gain. And what I've told them is one of the ways you can prevent the weight gain is by making healthy eating choices as you're going through this process. Don't uh, reach for candies and soft drinks when you're having an urge to smoke, but choose healthier options. Is this some of the material that you're communicating on the website?
2: Definitely. Definitely, yes. It's very important to improve on your intake of antioxidants Mm. that helps to cleanse your body. And antioxidants can be found in vet, in fruits, lots of fruits. So that's certainly encouraged. But there are lots of ways that you can munch on things and eat very healthy items that uh, will really take your mind off of the tobacco or the need for the craving for that nicotine. But, you know, it's not only the diet that's of, of importance, but it's also the activity that you have. It's the exercise, the fresh air. And so that's part of the, uh, the improvement program that we have in Taking Control is it's a whole lifestyle change, and actually it makes one feel better and certainly improves quality of life. You had said something about having individuals help and encourage. I did want to mention that there are resources also here with this program for groups, volunteer groups, uh, helping groups in communities, for churches. To be able to assist individuals to quit in, with this program, by uh, offering them and mentoring them in a workshop setting, so mm-hmm. there are uh, all kinds of materials for workshop planners, and uh, in order to, uh, you know, have a community outreach for this.
1: So let's talk to a, a tribal health professional. Let's say there's a, a doctor working in an Indian Health Service clinic or a clinic run by a tribe. And they say, boy, I wish I had more resources to help my patient stop smoking. Maybe there is a program right there at some tribal health facilities. But what you're saying, if something doesn't exist already, even if it does, anyone can go onto your website and just utilize these materials to help people?
2: That's right. The instructions, the guidance, and the even invitations, if you are participating as a volunteer with a workshop group to support uh, people who are trying to quit. Um, There are invitations on the website that you can print out that you would take to a smoker and say, and it would be somebody that you already know, and you can say, here is when we're having this workshop. I know you're really wanting to quit. You've tried before, and I want to be there with you. I will be with you each time you come to the workshop and encourage you but here's your invitation and your reminder of when it's going to meet. Hmm. And there are posters and other kinds of uh, handouts, too, that can advertise for the program that you would be putting on.
1: This is great stuff, uh, Linda. And I'm just thinking, you know, there's an obvious question that's on a lot of people's minds. I know the answer because we've talked a little bit about this before recording the show, but you've put this wealth of materials up. You've got a lot of experience you could be charging for these services. You could have some kind of a program and charge some fee, but you're offering it all free of charge. I guess the big question that many listeners have, well, why are you doing this?
2: Well, it's my ministry, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's after all, people are going to be more uh, tuned in to being engaged with a program that's going to help them but they don't know what's going to help them. They're not sure what it's really going to be like and if they're going to like it or whatever. And if you offer it to them free, there's that much more incentive to have individuals come and take part in that. Now, that isn't to say that I wouldn't uh, accept very gratefully a donation toward the cost of, of providing this on the, on the Internet, but uh, that's not the primary focus here. The primary focus is to help people gain their health back Mm-hmm. And uh, to be able to help others do the same is kind of a domino effect.
1: Well, I did notice when I was exploring your site that you do have something where you ask if an entity, if a health center, if, if a tribal health group, someone's using the resources to consider giving you some kind of donation to help with the maintenance of the site, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. It's a, it, we are a nonprofit company, so yeah, that's, that's the way I've set it up.
1: You do have other resources there on the livingsmart.live website that don't just deal with addictive tobacco use. Tell us a little bit about what else is on the website, and I'm assuming some of these are fee-based services. Is that right?
2: That's right, yes. LivingSmart Smart is set up so that a person can develop a lifestyle different from what they are already involved in. In other words, if they want to show improvement in their lives, if they want to lose some weight, if they want to be happier, uh, live a less stressful life, they can start with a program here right on this website that takes them from assessment time. In other words, they can start off by looking at themselves, doing some questionnaires to find out just what kind of state of health are they in Uh, What are the needs for creating a better life for themselves? And how can they manage their lives better? And they can move from the wellness assessments into starting a program. And there are steps on the website to help them to know what to do. So they can begin by starting on an activity program of some sort if they haven't already done something like this, and what kinds of activities they can get engaged in and how they can do it safely. Uh, and how they can progress in it and track it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then they, there is a lot of information on here about nutrition, how to plan a diet, uh, a healthy diet, and how to look at the nutrients or those helpful elements within the foods that we eat uh, and get the right things in, the right nutrients in, and, and be able to also take care of uh, the needs for either weight gain or weight loss. Um, there's a lot of information about what to do in the kitchen, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> about
2: mm-hmm. how to prepare the food, and uh, how to make a shopping list, etc. And then we have an app on here too that's a reminder app. You know, sometimes we need something to remind us. Uh, generally, it's from our cell phone these days. So we have an app that you can put on the cell phone that takes you directly to the website when you, if you want to work on the website away from your computer. Or you, it also helps you to develop your schedule for certain appointments you might have, reminders for things that you need to do, even reminders about things in the home as far as taking care of your household or your yard or so forth, um, and things about safety about your environment around the house. Then there's also access to a blog, a fellowship blog, where you can meet with other people there and talk about how the changes in your life are affecting you and encourage one another. And then there's a library, a library of a a variety of different kinds of information about health, both on the website and and links that can take you off the website to very important information, particularly topics that concern older adults.
1: This is something we really want to talk about because we've introduced this subject several times, Linda, and I know there are many of my listeners who are tuning into this show today. Some of them are saying, you know what, this all sounds like great resources, but I don't know that I'm real comfortable navigating the Internet. It sounds like it may be too difficult. And for some of the younger generations that listen, They're thinking, why am I even bringing this up? But I know I deal with people. We have people that call us on the phone. They say, hey, I know you've got something on the website, but I'm not really comfortable accessing it. Or maybe I don't have Internet access. We want to talk to you in the last segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. And even if you are very facile, you can get around the Internet very easily, we're going to have some insights from Linda that can help you as you deal with elders at uh, at your tribe, as you deal with other individuals who may have a little bit more experience in life and a little bit more reservation about doing something on the computer. Stay tuned. Our final segment, some more practical information for you. As Dr. Royer stays by, don't go away yourselves.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE,
1: 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Linda Royer. Dr. Royer has her doctorate in nursing. She also has a master's in public health degree a registered nurse degree, an RN degree, and uh, some other degrees that we heard about earlier in the show. But that's not as important right now as making this show of utmost relevance to those that Dr. Royer has especially been interested in. Linda, you and I have talked a little bit off-air as well as on-air about how there are certain groups of the population that aren't really getting a fair share, if you will, of the healthcare care dollars I know a lot of people in Indian country may feel that way. Maybe there are great tribal services, but they're in an urban area far away from those uh, services that may apply to Native Americans. Maybe they're on a very large reservation and they've got transportation difficulties. You were thinking of people that had Internet access but had other challenges when you developed the website. You mentioned earlier in the show, especially individuals who might be older, have trouble with transportation, and be ideal candidates for your resources, but they may be afraid of accessing the Internet. Is that a real phenomenon that you've seen a lot in your research and in your experience?
2: Uh, Yes, I actually have. It is an issue yet because uh, there are individuals, as you say, who are not really skilled in using the computer or working on the Internet, but, you know, that population is, Diminishing somewhat because it's surprising how many older folks are enjoying using the internet. And actually, when you walk around in the community, how many folks over fifty are uh, have cell phones in their hands or their pockets? Um, and that's becoming a very common means of communication now. Certainly, uh, having the cell phone. So, technology is changing so rapidly that. This is well understood that there's still a generation yet that is not sure how to use these things and whether they can be comfortable with it and get easily frustrated.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: mm-hmm. those things are changing. Those attitudes are changing, uh, and particularly as young people try to help older folks understand and use these uh, these uh, computer devices. Um, there also is a, a group of individuals that we haven't mentioned that, can certainly benefit by the uh, resources on this website, and that is those who are physically disabled mm. and perhaps even living alone and trying to be independent as much as they can, but for certain reasons, they they cannot get out uh, very much into the community. And this would be a really, really great resource for them. For instance, it's it's, uh, it's the, the gentleman who's, who's my neighbor. And uh, for some reason... He had to have a leg amputated, mm-hmm. and and he's now recovering from that and is uh, getting a prosthesis so that he'll be able to walk on a wooden leg or a plastic leg um, in in the near future. But he's not able to get about maybe in his kitchen yet and to be able to prepare food for himself, uh, to do things for himself, really manage, get out and walk and exercise like he used to do, things like that. Well. This kind of, of resource on the Internet and certainly through the cell phone uh, can be useful for him in learning how to rearrange his life a bit and to sell, manage himself much better over time for better quality of life in all directions.
1: So this is, this is great. You're reaching out to people who need resources. And that website, if you're just joining us, is LivingSmart.live. So livingsmart.live, and that will bring you to Dr. Royer's website. We've focused a lot in today's show on tobacco and addictive commercial tobacco, how you can get help with that free of charge, a two-week program, and you'll actually provide videos, and there are even downloadable audio segments as well as a manual. Did I hear that right?
2: That's right. That's right.
1: So that's a great resource to take advantage of free of charge and then you've got some other things that there is a fee if people want this kind of electronic coaching service is that a good way to describe it?
2: I think so. That's that's the term. And the fee is only $10 a month.
1: Okay, so for $10 a month I can access all your resources as much as I want, help me with my diet, my exercise, get access to these apps, the whole works, huh? That's right. Okay, well Linda, we appreciate what you've pulled together, but I'm trying to pull this all back to Indian country, and I'm I'm thinking of some real scenarios. I'm supposed to be, for example, next week at a tribal health clinic. I'll be giving a presentation there to tribal health workers and to the community, and I'm thinking, well, you know, as I'm there, there might be some folks as we talk, uh, they're looking at resources to help them help their tribal members, those who are accessing the tribal clinic, and I'm thinking, well... Let's say there's someone in that audience who I'm speaking to. Maybe they're 70 years old, they're a tribal elder, they're dealing with addictive commercial tobacco, they want to get free, they've maybe got emphysema, maybe they're even listening to my lecture, they're on oxygen. Could someone there, uh, let's say one of the community health workers, maybe their physician, maybe a nurse, could they actually take this tribal elder and say, look, let me show you this website on the internet uh, LivingSmart.live and show them, kind of walk them through it. Do you think that would actually help uh, someone who may be less comfortable with doing the mechanics of Internet usage actually utilize your service?
2: Oh, definitely so. And I'm thinking that what might be helpful is for that healthcare provider to identify someone who already knows this individual in the audience,
3: mm. perhaps
2: as a granddaughter, grandson. Mm-hmm to uh, listen in on the conversation and help them to understand what the website's about. And perhaps they can be a mentor, technological mentor, (laughs) for a while until the individual gets familiar with how to get around in the website. It always helps to have somebody at your elbow to kind of give you some advice and show you things that uh, you don't really see or realize until they're clicked on (laughs) on a website. So I think that might be uh, one way to approach that situation.
1: I think this is such a, a wonderful idea. You know, in Indian country, I hear a lot of dialogue about connecting the generations. You know, so many times it's easy for younger folks to, for example, leave the reservation that they were raised on and become disconnected from their elders, from their family. A lot of times I find that people might try to come back to their roots later in life But as we talk about connecting the generations, we often think of what elders can give to the younger generations. But you're saying, well, let's flip those tables in the dialogue a little bit, because in our young people, our children, in our communities, we have a resource that can help the older generation with technology. Why don't we harness that? in our communities, in our tribes. I really love this concept because it resonates with me, and I think it resonates with this message of strengthening communities, strengthening families. Do you find that this is something that resonates beyond Indian country in your experience, Dr. Royer?
2: Yes, I think it does. But you have to be perceptive in bringing those two entities together, the young and the old together. Mm -hmm. Uh, It isn't always so obvious to see, you know, who would be interested or willing to work along with an elder. But I see in the groups that I circulate around in that there are people, there are young people, who are really looking for ways that they can help others and uh, are glad to be able to be given responsibility. It's the responsibility that really uh, turns them on, you know, gets them interested.
1: So, Linda, the big message that I'm hearing in our discussion is... There's a whole host of resources that are now available electronically. That's not new news. But what I hear you saying is that there are people like you taking your years of experience, your training as an educator, your experience working with communities, and you're saying, we're giving back. We're giving back to communities. We're providing resources. Your platform for doing that is a simple website, livingsmart.live. And uh, it's easy to remember. I've mentioned it several times on the show, but if someone's tuning into the program and they say, boy, I just missed that, all the networks that carry our show get a program description. And if you call the station, they can likely access that for you. So if you're hearing this on a local station, if you're listening to it online, there's information there. But livingsmart.live. Linda, our time has rapidly slipped away. You've shared so much great information. But as we close out today's show... Are there any final messages that you'd like to leave our listeners with?
2: Well, I guess I can say just a few things that you'll see on the first page, the home page of the website, and that is these questions. Are you satisfied with your state of health these days? Would you like more energy in your life? Are you spending more money on medication? Do you need to manage your lifestyle better? These are some of the questions I think we all could ask ourselves and uh, begin to think about how we can improve our quality of living.
1: Wow. Thank you so much, Linda. So if you're looking for answers to questions, a healthier lifestyle, and help to do it, livingsmart.live, that's the way to get in touch with Dr. Royer and her resources. Well, hopefully today we've opened some new vistas for you to access the Information Highway, health care information on the Internet. Dr. Royer, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you for the opportunity.
1: Well, it's time to go. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health.
0: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.